Servus! Hello and welcome back to episode three of Falling Hard. Oh yes, and for those of you who don't know, Servos is how you say hello in Bavarian. <laughs> so this week I had planned to release a conversation that I had with a good friend of mine, Amy, about her dating life in Toronto, Canada, including a story about a particularly bad first date of hers, some different ways to meet people, and some thoughts on quarantine dating and whether girls and guys can ever really be just friends. However, given the context of all the events that have been going on in the world this month, um, especially considering the Black Lives Matter movement, I thought it would be worthwhile to have a conversation about these events, about race, about white privilege, and not just ignore everything that's going on. And given that Amy is also one of my most knowledgeable friends about these kind of issues and has really strived to educate herself and all the people around her during recent events and generally over the past year or so. And she also works in the financial services industry, attempting to make financial services more friendly and accessible for diverse and marginalized and underprivileged communities. Um, So because of that, I thought it would be great to give her a call back and initiate a short conversation about some of these really important topics. And yeah, I just want to say up top that I support the Black Lives Matter movement and that I'm, of course, against racism and discrimination of all kinds. I think it's a really important topic for people to discuss, to educate themselves on, to generally acknowledge and bring to the forefront. So although this is not the typical topic of my podcast, I wanted to devote a bit of time to it. And the next episode that I release after this will be my first conversation that I recorded with Amy about her current experiences dating in Toronto, Canada. Disclaimer, I am not an expert. I'm still on my own journey to discover more about racial issues, discrimination issues, privilege issues. Um, I'm still learning. I'm making mistakes along the way as a lot of us are. And yeah, but I just think this is a really important conversation that is worth talking about. So I'm pleased to welcome Amy back and I'm happy to share this short, but I think meaningful and thought-provoking discussion uh, with Amy. So I hope you enjoy it too. Thanks so much for joining me again, Amy. (laughs) No worries, Sarah. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Yeah, I just thought you'd be a great person to have a short conversation with about current events. Because I know that you've really been informing yourself a lot lately and as well as throughout the past, I'm sure. Um, And you do work in, as well, you can say it better for yourself, but working with providing um, marginalized communities, better access to things like financial services. Um, Yeah, so take it away. I don't know where we want to start with this. Yeah, for sure. I think something that's really important to me is just addressing the moment that we're in right now and really recognizing for it for what it is, um, which is kind of like a, a wave of change that I really hope continues because like you said, I work in, um, di- in 
diverse community research and really trying to understand the communities within Canada and their particular needs as it relates to financial services. Um, and that's one aspect of my work that has been really eye-opening for me. And in the past year and a half, I've learned so much about myself, so much about my white privilege and um, like learning about the struggles that those communities face has been really eye-opening for me and something that has really made me want to change my life. And so that's a journey that I've kind of been going on for the last year and a half. And now um, Black Life, with Black Lives Matter and this moment that is happening after the police murder of George Floyd, I think that so many more people are starting to go on that journey as well. Um, and so I think it's important to talk about. I know that a lot of people don't really want to get political, but that's a privilege. And I think as white people, we obviously need to elevate black voices and listen to indigenous communities and let them have a chance to speak and talk about how we can be better allies or I guess the new word accomplice. Um, oh, I but heard that I was yet. saying to <laughs> pardon. I haven't heard that word yet, actually. Accomplices. Yeah, yeah. It, um, it's kind of been like circulating on Instagram a little bit about how we need to like use our privilege to elevate those voices and make sure that they have a seat at the table. One of the really cool things that happened actually um, a couple of weeks ago was that one of the co-founders of Reddit gave up his board spot and was like, oh, wow. okay, so I really want to make sure that there's diversity on the board of Reddit. It's really important to me. So I, as a co-founder, I'm giving up my spot so that we can have more diverse Oh, voices. that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's really um, symptomatic of like, we do need to give up some of our privileges as white people in order for us to live in a more equitable society. And I think that's really hard for a lot of people to come to terms with. Mm -hmm. But it's a journey and it definitely is a difficult journey coming to terms with your privilege, being uncomfortable, all of those things. I mm -hmm. feel like especially for you and I, we both grew up in white upper middle class families in um, like the GTA. We went to probably the most white privileged school in Canada. Um, and so a lot of those things are ingrained into us. I know that I definitely have worn Halloween costumes and <laughs> the Olympics costumes that are wildly inappropriate. And I look back at those pictures and I am so upset that I did that and I let that happen and I was okay with that. Do you know what yeah, I mean? That's true. I think and we've all made <laughs> we've all made some questionable choices in the past with regard to various things, I'm sure. And I mean, there's nothing you can do at this point to change the past, but I think the fact that we and hopefully so many other people now are really trying to be so much better and learning more and educating themselves. And I think you do a lot of things when you're a bit young and immature and you don't necessarily care about other people and how you're hurting other people's feelings. Mm -hmm. But I think part of maturing and getting older is to be more conscious with your actions and try not to offend or hurt other people and if it's something as simple as I mean there's I mean costumes is this whole own topic right I, there's certain people that say like oh I should be able to wear whatever I want and this person shouldn't be offended or you can't uh, you can't never not offend everyone so why should I even try but it's like if you could and I also have definitely with words let's say there's certain words where someone has told me okay now this is politically incorrect to say 
And I'm like, what? I've never heard of that. That's ridiculous. Like, why do I have to stop saying that? That's a no, that's an everyday part of my vocabulary. And I don't want to change. I don't see how that's hurting someone. But if it's something super simple where it's like, okay, well, maybe you could just wear a different costume. Maybe you could just use a different word. Like how much inconvenience is that really to you? And if that mm-hmm. makes someone else feel a lot better and doesn't feel really hurt or I'm not sure what the right word is, you know, really offended or really like excluded based on a costume or a word. And if it's like literally nothing to you to not do that, then why not just do it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it it's one of the things, again, that people have been talking about. It's a microaggression, right? Yeah. It's a way that we can establish our our privilege, right? As being like, okay, yeah, well, I can wear this costume if I want to. Like, I can say that word if I want to. But mm. it's harmful to other people. And it's really, um, it's not making our society one where we welcome everybody. And that's just like not a place where I want to live in. And I think that you hit the nail on the head. Like, a lot of us did a lot of dumb things when we were younger, especially when we grew up in a racist system, right? Like, mm. it, it's systemic racism right it's within our police systems it's within our education systems and so of course as white people when we were just kind of going with the status quo of Mm. course of course that's how we felt right but now more than ever there's so many different resources where people can educate themselves and go on this journey and I think that a lot of times people forget that it is a journey, right? It's not like you all of a sudden wake up and you know all of the things that you're supposed to do, right? Like you're going to make mistakes. You're going to say the wrong thing. And I think that that has been happening a lot within this whole movement, right? It's like with Blackout Tuesday, everyone was like, okay, so I'm supposed to post a black square and hashtag Black Lives Matter. And then they were like, no, don't don't use that hashtag because then you're actually drowning out all the important information for protesters. And so that's okay. Like you were trying to do something and you made a mistake. That's okay. But it's part of the journey. And so when somebody tells you that you made a mistake, don't get defensive about it. Just be like, Oh, I was just trying to help Be Like, okay, well, I I didn't know that. Thanks for letting me know. I won't do it again. Like I'm going to learn and grow from that experience. And so I think that a lot of white people have a lot of personal growth and reckoning within themselves to do right now. And it's not fun. It's definitely not fun, but imagine having to do this for your whole life. Right. And so a lot of people are throwing around the word allyship fatigue, which I think is bullshit. Um, (laughs) Allyship fatigue. Okay. I mean, I feel like a lot of people are struggling with not knowing what to do and not wanting to say the wrong thing. And I think, And I struggle with that as well. You know, I thought for this podcast, is it my place? Do I need to say something? Should I say something? What should I say? Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert. I'm not perfect. I'm still learning. I'm still figuring out what my place is and all this and what to do. Um, But I think, I think everyone should be a little bit easier on everyone else. If people are trying and they have the right intention in mind, let's not like destroy people for accidentally saying the wrong thing. If they're coming from a good place and they're trying Mm -hmm. to learn and they're trying to be better With the black square thing as well, personally, I chose not to participate in that because I thought at this point, I just saw, literally I counted, there was like 56 or 60 black squares on my Instagram feed almost in a row. And -hmm. I was like, me posting another black square is not really adding anything to this conversation. This isn't really a conversation. And Mm -hmm. I felt like if I did it, then it would be this performative allyship. Like I would only be doing it to look to everyone else. Like I care about the cause, but what are you really showing with that? What are you really doing? So 
I think it's better to share resources or to do something else, watch a documentary, make a donation, et cetera. And I think if people are going to do one thing, I know there's like so many resources out there and maybe people don't know where to start, but mm-hmm. I actually watched that 13th documentary already a couple of years ago. So I was oh, really, I watched yeah. it recently. Yeah, I actually saw it a couple of years ago and it's really good and it's really easy to watch. Well, it's not easy to watch. It's a really difficult subject matter, but it's on Netflix. It's available. Um, personally, I would say if people are going to do just one thing, that's a really great documentary to start with. Yeah, agree. Agree. And I honestly struggled with it at the beginning as well. Um, I would definitely say out of my friend group, I'm probably one of the more progressive people. So I'm often a resource for my friends when they have a question because of my line of work, right? Um, Just being able to interact with diverse communities in that capacity, uh, it teaches you a lot. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends do come to me and I was struggling. I was like, is this my place? Um, I never post on Instagram. But for me, I was finding that a lot of other people's posts, I was learning something. So I was like, if I'm going to learn from it, I might as well share it so other people can learn from it as well. And so that's kind of the decision I made. And I went through and I watched 13th and then I went to uh, Ava, the director's Instagram page. And I looked at a bunch of people that she followed and I started following some of the same people Um, looked at people from the documentary and started following them, found some black artists, started following them, found some indigenous artists, started following them just to make sure that my Instagram feed was diversified um, so that I could be sharing and elevating like black creative content Mm -hmm. um, and not just sharing white, white people's ideas. (laughs) And so being really conscious about the things that I share when I see something on someone's Instagram page, I always go to the Instagram account where it originated. And I look at some of their other posts and really make sure that the education is there. Um, And that's what I choose to repost because some of my friends have said that they found it helpful and they've learned something. And if I've learned something from it, then somebody else I'm sure is going to learn something from it. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the decision that I made regarding Instagram and Twitter and it's it's definitely it was definitely something that I had to think about within myself because it was mm-hmm. it didn't come naturally to me to do that mm-hmm. but again I think to our point earlier it's a journey right it's something that we all have to look within ourselves and be like what do I want to do in this moment like how do I want to contribute yeah again it's not our I think that we need to be careful as white people that we're not taking up all the space in the room. Mm. Um, like this is a time where we need to elevate black voices and we need to make sure that we're listening to the people who have been marginalized by our society in all of the ways and shapes and forms that it takes. And we need to listen and then do the work. Like you said, whether it's posting on Instagram or signing a petition or sending an email or donating money or going to a protest, there's so many different ways that you can get involved. But I think that it's really important also to be able to educate yourselves and have that conversation because it's not the job of the Black community or the Indigenous community to educate us. If they choose to educate, that is their choice. Um, But we should not be like, oh, tell me what I can be doing better. There's Google. You know all of the words. They're all over social media. Do some Googling, read a book, watch a documentary. Um, 
Yeah, I agree. Because if you're, if you're a black person, if you're the only person, let's say you're the only person of your friend group who's black, you're going to be exhausted trying to explain over and over again to people what your experience is, how people can be better, all the things that are wrong with society. Like a lot of people don't know much about these things if they don't, let's say like us, if they grew up in a pretty white community and they don't have a lot of friends who are black or friends who are of color or other minorities um, or immigrants or whatever it is. But yeah, so they might not have a lot of experience with, with that. And you can't just rely on your your one friend to ha- explain everything to you. That's not their job. And they're going to be really tired of doing that their whole life. As you yeah. said. It is not the black community's job to educate white people about how our system is built for white people. Um, and it's not our job to teach you about police brutality. Obviously, there are so, so many black people who currently are educating and are providing excellent resources. I just think that it's really difficult for us as people, for leaders and companies, all that stuff. You can't be like, hey, black friends, black colleagues, black people of the world, please tell me how I can do better. Please tell me what's wrong. Like, mm. no, we live in the age of the internet. Go and figure it out for yourself. No, I, I think the key is listen to people when they are volunteering to educate and provide information and don't force someone or don't, you know, push or convince someone into educating you. Don't make it a burden. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I feel like um, we've gone on a couple of tangents, but I guess the main thing I think that it is important to say is that it's really important as white people to not be silent because I see a lot of people who are seemingly like not doing anything and just going along with their lives. And I think that that's really easy to do, um, especially when everybody's at home for COVID-19 and like there's no, there's nobody really holding you accountable to that in your everyday life. You have to hold yourself accountable. But mm-hmm. another thing about COVID-19 is it really created this perfect storm in that we have this opportunity to rebuild a society that works in a different way. I think that just in terms of our work life, um, our dating life, like it's not, it's not normal, right? It's completely changing the way that we're viewing things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if we're going to reimagine those parts of our lives, we should also be reimagining these systemically racist structures that govern us and decide who gets all of the power in society because right now it's very very much geared to um white men mm-hmm. um and white women obviously play a role in that as well i think that um we as white women also need to recognize like what our role is within racist structures and the history of that as well um and often white women are used as a weapon of racism and i think we saw that early on with amy cooper and calling the cops um Mm -hmm. and things like that and so i think that right now the important thing really to say is that black lives matter i support this movement i'm working towards the goals that this movement has laid out in terms of defending the police and building a better system for all of us um, and as a white person, that means that I have to give up privilege, right? If everybody is going to be 
equal and we have an equitable society, I will no longer be at the top of the female chain. And I'm so, so happy to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think white people need to recognize that you do have to give up privilege in order for everybody to have some. Um, And that takes some reckoning with yourself. And we need to do that. And I think we do that by addressing it, number one, um, and then doing the work, number two. So making sure, like you said, 13th is a really great documentary. I watched it by myself and then I went home and made my parents watch it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really good place to start when they see us um, also by the same director as 13th. Um, Also really, really great. Uh, There are a bunch of documentaries also on like the LA riots. Um, Also like, watch movies by black creators watch tv shows by black creators it's not necessarily just informational right like we want to support art and art imitates life right so Mm -hmm. i think that that's really important as well um and just there like there is no end game i think a lot of people are like okay so like when is this going to be over like when are the protests (laughs) going to stop um and recognizing that i don't know when it's going to be over Um, And for me, it's not going to be over until we live in a better place. And so I just think that it's important to just address it. I think that's really eloquently said, Amy. Thank you so much. I completely agree with all of your points, and I think I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, And I just finally want to add to anyone who is living abroad and maybe you're North American or wherever you're from, but if you're not living in America and maybe you think, oh, this isn't really relevant to me because I'm not living in America, I just want to say that I don't think that's true. I think racism is a problem all over the world. It takes different shapes and forms. In Germany, for example, I can totally see that I've had a lot of privilege here as a white woman. Even though I'm a foreigner, I don't look like a foreigner and I get a lot of privileges that a native German person would get, even though I'm, I have some German heritage, but I'm not a native German. And I get a lot of privilege from just how I look and how I'm treated. And I've seen other people here be treated differently when they clearly look like a foreigner, even if they're not as well. You can, be, of course, be black and be born in Germany. And most people will treat you differently and they will not initially speak German to you. I have Asian friends who have been treated in really racist ways in Germany sometimes. Um, so it definitely exists. And there's maybe there's not as much of a, a history between black and white people in Germany, but there's a Jewish history, as everyone knows about. There's a history with Turkish immigrants coming to Germany and Turkish immigrants being treated poorly and discriminated against. And even nowadays, as anyone who's looked for an apartment in Munich will tell you, if you have uh, a last name that that sounds like you have a migration background, is what they call it, um, you're going to have a much harder time getting an apartment. People are discriminating against you based on your last name, if it sounds foreign, based on if you can't speak German well, based on if you're not white and not German. So it exists everywhere with whichever form it takes. Um, And I think it's a great moment for all of us to take a step back and look at what the world is really like, what we're doing, how we can have a role in making it better, talking about these things. And as we said, even if you're not perfect, even if you don't know where to start, have a conversation, talk to your parents about it, show them something like a documentary or something you learned or a short video. Um, Just get those discussions going. And if we all do something, then... Hopefully we're taking steps towards a better world. 
Yeah, exactly. I think you said that really beautifully, Sarah. I think it is really important for all of us to take this moment to reflect, not just those people in the U.S., but all around the world. Um, I think for Canada, one of the huge things that we get into is that, oh, Canada is perfect when you compare it to the States. But we also have a very racist history um, and we also have a lot of problems within our police system, within all of our education systems, et cetera. And so I think that that's a really great point. This isn't just work for people in America. This is work for the entire world. Um, There's a lot with Canada that gets swept under the rug. And I think our international image is that, oh, such a great country, beautiful nature, really nice people, so friendly and polite. Um, a lot of people aren't aware of the whole indigenous history with Canada with mm -hmm. also somewhat of a slavery history. I don't know the full extent, but you were telling me before that there's a lot that we're not taught in school about what happened in Canada with regard to that. Um, and still to this day, the, in, the treatment of indigenous people in Canada is very poor, so. Oh, the treatment of indigenous people in Canada is horrific. Um, and it's definitely something as a country that we need to work much harder at. Um, I took a race and racialization sociology class um, when I was in university, and that was the first time I learned about some of the most racist parts of our history, including those with Indigenous people, learning about Africville and Nova Scotia. Um, and like we said earlier, history is written by the winners, right? So I think especially in Canada, we have this very glossed overview um, about race relations, especially with like the Underground Railroad. We always learn about Canada being the, he the hero in the story. But Canada also has a history of slavery. Um, mm -hmm. I just learned recently that Confederate soldiers used to uh, stay in Toronto and they were stationed at what is now the Royal York and they would go and attack the Union soldiers um, and they stayed in Canada. So there's new things that I'm learning about our history as well all the time. But that's because there's so many resources out there right now. And so I encourage everybody who is listening, if you haven't started on your journey yet, please, now is the best time to start because I think history shows that we continue to get more liberal and more progressive and more equitable with time. So I really do think that change is coming and I definitely want to be pushing that change forward, not catching up. And mm -hmm. so if you're listening and you haven't started on your journey yet, now is as good a time as any um, to start listening, start learning, and really doing the work within yourself so that you can be an ally and an accomplice to these communities. Yeah. And finally, just, you know, not caring about these kind of things is a privilege that a lot of people don't have. When you're a person who's being discriminated against, you can't just not care about these issues because they actually affect you in your life every single day. And if you're a person who's not affected by issues like systemic racism or discrimination or hate, recognize that that's something that that's a choice like that a lot of people don't get to make. So mm -hmm. you should be a bigger person and care about it, even if it doesn't affect you personally, especially if it doesn't affect you personally. So yeah, basically to sum up, I think it's just really important in these times to be initiating hard conversations, to be educating ourselves, to be learning, and to be acknowledging privilege when we have it, and acknowledging the struggles of others. And to tell people, I hear you, I see you, I am educating myself, I am learning, I am 
using my voice when I can to stand up to things that I see that I know are wrong. And yeah, no one is perfect, but if we all take little steps and we all actually take some actions in response to this movement that is going across the world, then I think that could all add up to a bigger societal change, which would be welcomed and very needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's the perfect way to end. Great. Well, thank you so much for this second conversation, Amy. Um, Thank you for all of your insights and resources and look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm really glad that you allowed um, your podcast to have the space to have this conversation. I think it's really important and I commend you for giving the time to it to talk about it today. And that's a wrap, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this deeper, more serious conversation with my friend Amy. And looking forward to sharing the first half of that conversation, the more fun, less serious part about her dating life in Toronto and lots of great relationship topics um, with you all very soon. So stay tuned. And until then, definitely feel free to check out the podcast at Falling Hard Podcast on Instagram. And let me know if you have any suggestions for future episodes, are interested in being a guest, or just have any feedback. Feel free to leave a review or let me know directly. Cheers, everyone.